Earlier this month, Banner Health announced a data breach affecting 3.7 million individuals. In late June, Banner discovered that intruders may have gained unauthorized access to the computer systems that process payment card data at certain Banner Health food and beverage outlets. Two weeks later, Banner discovered that the intruders may have also accessed patient and health insurance records. Now the company is facing several potential class action lawsuits over the incident. On today's CyberChat, we talk with Michaela Crass, one of the attorneys working on the Banner data breach case filed by Hoggins, Berman, Sobel, Shapiro. We discuss the specific case, how data breach lawsuits can motivate organizations to improve security, and what companies can do to limit their potential liability. And I'm wondering if you could maybe touch on the specific issues in this case, you know, why there is a lawsuit over this. Because um, I guess, I mean, we see so many different da- data breaches in the news and there's a lot of data breach lawsuits. So I'm wondering if this is a pretty typical case or if there's anything unique about it. I think this one's a little more unique just because of the um, healthcare aspect of of the case that the health insurance information was taken. So um, I think the the easiest kind of data breach case would be one where just credit card information was taken because obviously you can go out and cancel your credit card. A lot of the credit card companies will even catch that if somebody's making fraudulent charges. So that one's fairly easy to remedy if they don't have any other information about you. But when they start to get all of your personal information, including social security numbers, that's when it becomes uh, kind of goes to another level because they can use that information for years. So, you know, Banner here offered one year of credit monitoring to so you can kind of make sure no one's opening accounts or using your identity. But once they have that information, who's to say they're going to use it in the next year? Maybe they'll, you know, they know these these attackers, these uh, hackers, they know that these companies are going to offer a year of credit monitoring. That seems to be kind of the thing that they do to try to make it go away. I'll just offer you a year of credit monitoring. So all they have to do is wait a year and then they can use that information. And, you know, there's especially in a, a case this large with 3.7 million people, you know, that's that's pretty valuable and they can use that down the line. This case uh, was even more interesting to us because of the healthcare information that was taken. So they have people's uh, health insurance information. So there could be health insurance fraud. Now people have to monitor, you know, their explanation of benefits that they get from their, their insurance company to make sure nobody's receiving services using their insurance information. Uh, same thing with, you know, obtaining prescriptions. And then, of course, with the provider's information being taken, people could go out and get, you know, prescription drugs, uh, a lot of those drugs that are uh, monitored, things like fentanyl or, you know, other opiates that can kind of flood the system. And people would obviously be interested in being able to go out and get false prescriptions for those and without any consequences. So that's kind of why we thought this was an important case. I know it happens a lot, these video breach cases, and so people kind of become wary of them. But um, when they do happen, particularly in a case like Banner, where they've got very sensitive information that they need to be protecting, and, you know, obviously we haven't done any discovery yet, so we don't know what their security measures were, but it seems to be that they were inadequate we think that Banner needs to do more because they're putting they're putting the onus on their patients and their employees to you know monitor their own health insurance information because credit monitoring isn't going to protect that and they're only giving them a year 
to have that credit monitoring. So who knows if something happens in the future, you know, Banner hasn't done anything to protect them. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that timeline. You know, you you were talking about how sometimes cyber criminals can, you know, they can just wait a year and then they can do some kind of fraud or or something. And I was wondering how that plays into the whole um, issue with having to establish standing and prove that there was some harm. Because I saw an article, I think it was in June in the Wall Street Journal, and I think the title of it was, For Consumers, Injury is Often Hard to Prove in Data Breach Cases. And they said that although more than one third of breach lawsuits in 2015 targeted healthcare companies, a lot of those, as well as in other industries, end up getting dismissed. So just wondering your thoughts in general on establishing standing. Sure. So there's, there is a split among the circuits on whether or not uh, an individual has standing in a data breach case. It's been our position in other cases that we've done that they do have standing, uh, that there is an injury there because if, an, if a consumer has to go out and buy that protection or they have to spend time, you know, going through their medical records or in the case of our doctor, you know, he's got to take time out of his busy day to monitor his um, provider ID and DEA number to make sure that nobody's using those fraudulently, you know, that's time and money out of your pocket. So those are damages. I mean, the fact that it's it's been put out there, you know, we think that a individual has been damaged. Now, there are some courts, uh, not in Arizona, uh, and then no federal courts in Arizona. We're in state court, but there's no courts in Arizona that have, have gone that far to say, oh, no, there's there's no damages because you haven't suffered injury yet. Some courts are requiring you to show that your information was actually used and, and tie it to the to that particular breach, which is it's a pretty hard bar to overcome and uh, kind of lets those companies off the hook for just being sloppy with their their computer databases and not putting in the the protections that they need to. I don't really get a chance to speak with a lawyer very often. So just wondering if you could maybe fill us in on how class actions just work in general. Because, for example, in preparing for this interview, I went on the PACER website and I found there was two other complaints filed against uh, Banner Health uh, in August. And so it seems like every time there's one of these lawsuits, there's, you know, different states and different law firms are, are, are filing these different complaints and class actions. So wondering if you could just explain, you know, the process or timeline on a class action like this and how that comes together and how it works with so many different players. Sure. So for your listener who doesn't know anything about class actions, basically uh, the class action device is made to when there's a lot of individuals who have suffered a harm, but individually it wouldn't be worth their their time and money to go to court against a large company. Um, the court allows them to join together and bring an action against uh, a company. Uh, like most people are, even though their information was taken, you know, they didn't have the resources to go out and sue Banner on their own to try to get, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of recovery. So the class action device is something that the court systems have put in place to allow individuals to group their claims together. They're represented, they can be represented by one or maybe a couple different individuals who are in the same position as them. 
so that's kind of how class actions work generally. Sometimes you will see multiple class actions filed in one case. And so different things can happen in those situations. We chose to file our class action in state court because uh, most of the most of the banner hospitals are in Arizona. The information was housed in Arizona. Most plaintiffs, at least we believe that two-thirds of the class members will be in in Arizona. So we felt like it made sense to file it in state court um, because we think it's kind of an Arizona, you know, more of an Arizona matter. We know some other firms have filed in federal court. And then, you know, Banner will treat each case individually. They may decide to try to work out a global settlement among the different cases. Uh, sometimes when multiple cases are filed in federal court and if they're filed in different districts, the, uh, the district court might consolidate those into one case, which can um, take a little longer. That was the other reason we decided to go with state court is they tend to uh, just move a little faster. Arizona state court moves a little bit faster than a federal court would. And obviously, with a case like this, you know, the longer, the more time that goes by, um, the individuals who had their information taken are waiting to get more credit monitoring or it, you know, it's, it's not in the best interest of the class to have more time go by. So that's why we chose to, to go with state court. We thought it was a case that was appropriate for state court. And we believe that we'll be able to conduct this discovery faster and hopefully, you know, either go to trial or work out a settlement with Banner on a, on a faster time frame than those cases that were filed in federal court. Uh, yeah, and, and and most of our listeners, they tend to be more security or cyber risk management types of people. And obviously, they're listening from the perspective of they want to avoid, you know, being in a breach lawsuit like Banner is. Uh, just wondering if you have any advice or things that kind of come to mind on how they should go about staying out of harm's way. Well, I think... Uh you know, I'm certainly not an expert in that area, um, and that's the type of thing that we would hire an expert for to go in and look and see what, you know, what they had set up and whether it met the, you know, standards that we think need to be in place to protect your um, uh, data. But I think the thing to remember is that companies cannot just assume that the protections they have in place are good enough. Um, they shouldn't just go with the status quo, you know, if they don't have the in-house, if they don't have the individuals in-house who can look at that and decide, you know, be able to analyze whether their protections are good enough, then they probably need to get an outside, you know, firm to come in and look at and identify any weaknesses that they might have and make sure to correct those. And I think that's something they need to do, you know, every every couple years because, um, you know, technology is always changing and these hackers are always going to be looking for new ways to get into these these secure databases. So I think that would be my recommendation of the best practices. And I think that's going to, if, if a data breach does happen to a uh, company, you know, they can point to these things that they've tried to do, which would, you know, limit their liability. You know, they're, they're going to say, we weren't negligent. We did everything that we could. You know, here's the best practices. This is what we did. Um, and so that might insulate them if, if something does happen. Uh, yeah. And then my, my final question is just looking forward at the uh, the data breach lawsuit scene kind of in general. Um, 
There was a quote I read from Robert Carey, a partner at the firm. He said that healthcare people should be on the front edge of how to protect systems in leading the charge, and the lawsuit will help to incentivize that improvement. He was talking about this this lawsuit at Banner Health. And then he also said um, there has to be a great enough cost on the back end to motivate people to do the right thing on the front end. Um, so just wondering, I mean, we interview people in the cybersecurity space all the time. So curious to hear from a legal perspective about that. I mean, do you get the sense that from talking to people or working cases like this that there still needs to be a bit more motivation in terms of these successful lawsuits in order to push security forward? I think there does. I, th- I think that there needs to be. Um, we obviously we deal with a lot of class actions, just not in the data breach uh, arena, but you know across the board. And what we see is that companies, a lot of these big companies, don't do the right thing until they're kind of forced to, or they see it's not happening to another company. So, um, you know, people. They they think maybe they can get away by, for example, with Banner offering your credit monitoring. Well, I'll offer your credit monitoring. You know, we'll work out a price with Kroll. I'm guessing they probably paid six dollars per person. So for them, that's a pretty cheap cost to get rid of this, assuming that that would work. But if they had just taken better actions on the front end to secure their data, then you know this wouldn't be happening. But the fact is that they're paying $6 per person who actually goes and signs up. That doesn't really, that's not much of an incentive for them to change their practices because, you know, it's such a small amount to a company that big, you know, it just, it doesn't affect them. So it needs to be something greater than that to, to kind of spur them to make changes. And I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe it just comes down to a cost benefit analysis for some of these large companies, but um, that cost benefit analysis isn't going to change until they realize that it's going to cost them more on the back end, I, I believe. And that'll wrap up this episode of the Cyber Chat Podcast. The Cyber Chat Podcast is brought to you by Surfwatch Labs. Surfwatch Labs helps organizations and service providers quickly establish a strategic cyber threat intelligence operation that drives more effective use of their tactical defenses. For more information on cyber risk intelligence, check out surfwatchlabs.com.